We finish answering another viewer's comments next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? In response to our program number 16.20 entitled Rulin Allred's Teachings Part 3, we received some comments from a viewer that we refer to as BB, and we found his comments interesting enough to share <laughs> with the rest of our viewers. Now, this is part two of that discussion, and we ended last time in the middle of B.B. saying that the Trinity is not biblical, that it is a man-made doctrine from twisted scripture. Now, our first response included a quote from his own Book of Mormon, where three witnesses' testi testimony attested to the Trinity. Told it. So, to get comment or context, we're going to read that statement again. Yeah, this is the testimony of the three witnesses. And the honor be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, which is one God. Amen. Right in the front of the Book of Mormon, it right. has that. And it, without using the word Trinity, they are describing the Trinity, which is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit being one God. Now, the Bible is clear that only one God exists, and only one God has ever existed. Mormonism believes in many gods, and that we can become gods ourselves. Some of them have taught that we are gods in embryo. They believe that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three separate gods. They're three gods, right. not one God. But the Bible explains that the one and only God consists of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, we could go all day quoting the many <laughs> verses yeah. in the Bible that teach that we have a Trinitarian God, but we don't have time and it's a blessing to the investigator to find those passages for themselves. But we want to quote a few of them. And here's the first quote, that there is only one God ever, anywhere, and everywhere. <laughs> Isaiah 43, 10 and 11. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. Okay, that's pretty wow. clear. That is pretty clear. Uh, you can't get better explanation than that. There are no other gods. There is no other Savior. That includes polygamy, Mormonism, and so on. God would know if there were other gods. <laughs> and he says there's not. Now, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. But the teaching of three persons, each one being God, is there. And that is the Trinity. Here are some, uh, or here is one of the many verses uh, saying that Jesus is God, okay. In part, we quoted uh, in part one, we quoted uh, John 1 1 through 4, tells which us tells Jesus. us that Jesus is God and that He's the Creator. Here's two more verses yeah, Colossians 1 uh, 15, 16, and 19. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by Him all things were created. And for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Okay. The fullness <laughs> of God dwelt in him. Yep. He's God the creator. The fullness of God dwelt in Jesus. Now there's only one God. And the Father is God. And Jesus is God. That's a mystery to unravel. Sure. And indeed it is a mystery. But making the mystery even more mysterious... 
is that the Holy Spirit is also referred to as God. Yeah, from Acts 5, 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You've not lied to man, but to God. There you go. Clearly, the Holy Spirit is referred to as God. Now, these scriptures and many others throughout the Bible affirms there's only one God who consists of three distinct persons. Each one is equally God. There are not three different gods, as Mormonism claims. The Trinity is not a man-made idea. The Bible fully supports it. Now, our viewer was watching one of our programs where we dissected um, polygamist rule in all red sermons, right. and where it was mentioned that in the early Mormon days, polygamy was taught as being a requirement for eternal life. He responded like this. Mm -hmm. The amount of misinformation in this video is appalling. Polygamy was never a requirement for exaltation, or Isaac would be excluded. And of course, the kingdom will not be shaken, for as Jesus Christ said, my kingdom is not of this world. Prophecy fulfilled and your ignorance is revealed. Nothing you said can be trusted. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and by the way, we were talking about what Rulin Allred said, not about what we were saying. And yeah. Rulin Allred said polygamy was uh, required, required in the sermon we were discussing. But at any rate, it's nice that, that B.B. recognized Isaac was an agreement. Yeah, right. But that's in disagreement with Joseph Smith, because he said he was. He wrote in section 132, which is the Mormon plural marriage revelation, that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were justified because they were polygamous. Yep. Now, the Bible portrays Isaac as a monogamist. Our viewer is correct in that respect. But we wonder what he thinks of Joseph Smith's erroneous statement that Isaac was a polygamist. Now, about polygamy being a requirement, which our viewer denied, it was a requirement for salvation in foundational Mormonism. Brigham Young even taught that if a man wasn't a polygamist, he couldn't serve in any position in their church. Joseph Smith warned his prospective plural wives that their salvation was secured by submitting to his proposal, and if they rejected plural marriage, they would be damned. <laughs> now, we suggest to B.B. that he read the true history of the Mormon church, and he wrote back that he did read it. I have, he says. <laughs> That why I, that's why I don't believe this nonsense about polygamy being required, which makes no sense, hence it being nonsense. For nobody could be a polygamist unless called to do so by God, and only 5% were ever polygamous, and no requirements were ever stated for how to qualify for polygamy, and essential if it was a man-made doctrine instead of God-given. It's no wonder you can't understand the Bible, since you can't even see the contradictions in these so-called true histories. <laughs> So if it doesn't make sense to him, it's nonsense, you know. Right. Uh, and we, we, we like to back up what we say by quoting statements from the people who taught the early Mormons. But first, we're going to go to the official <laughs> statement from the Encyclopedia of Mormonism and what it says about the percentage of Mormon polygamists, and it's considerably higher than the 5% that he claimed. The exact percentage of Latter-day Saints who participated in the practice is not known, but studies suggest a maximum of from 20 to 25 of percent probably of LDS adults were members of polygamous households. At its height, plural marriage probably involved only a third of the women reaching marriageable age, though among church leadership, 
plural marriage was the norm for a time. Because that's considerably higher than 5%. Yeah, from the Encyclopedia of Mormonism. Yeah, right. Now, sadly, LDS members are not aware of the facts of, of their, of their own, own history. Right. Most of them have been gaslighted, and they, of course they don't know it. Now, we've got some quotes from uh, pioneer, prominent pioneer Mormon polygamists, as well as their prophets, the teaching and the warning that polygamy was an essential for any Mormon who wanted Mormon exaltation. So we're going to quote a few of these for Bibi's sake. And most of these probably came during general conferences kind of thing. Some they of them, but some... in mm-hmm. Journal of Discourses, mm-hmm. but I mean they were official. Right, they are comments. official quotes, yes. You might as well deny Mormonism ter- and turn away from it as to oppose the plurality of wives. Let the presidency of this church and the twelve apostles and all the authorities unite and say with one voice that they will oppose that doctrine and the whole of them would be damned. Whoa. That's Heber C. Kimball. Yeah, so opposing it, you're damned. Yeah, that's right. That's he said. pretty clear. Yeah. Um, we have another quote here from Orson Pratt. He said, Now, after having so much having said so much in relation to the reason why we practice polygamy, I want to say a few words in regard to the revelation on polygamy. God has told us Latter-day Saints that we shall be condemned if we do not enter into that principle. Hmm. The Lord has said that those who reject this principle reject their salvation. They shall be damned, saith the Lord. Those to whom I reveal this law and they do not receive it shall be damned. Okay. Pretty clear, huh? We've got one right straight from the Doctrine and Covenants. Yeah, section 132. Therefore, prepare thy heart to receive and obey the instructions which I am about to give unto you. For all those who have this law revealed unto them must obey the same. For behold, I reveal unto you a new and everlasting covenant. And if you abide not that covenant, then are ye damned. For no one can reject this covenant and be permitted to enter into my glory. And as pertaining to the new and everlasting covenant, it was instituted for the fullness of my glory. And he that receiveth the fullness thereof must and shall abide the law, or he shall be damned, saith the Lord God. Pretty clear. And sure. this is saith the Lord God. Yeah, you know, of course he didn't really say that, but they believe he did. Thirty two, yeah. <laughs> You're right. Another one from William Clayton, who was Joseph Smith's secretary, who was also a polygamist and influenced heavily by Joseph Smith. He said, Joseph Smith taught the doctrine of plural and celestial marriage is the most holy and important doctrine ever revealed to man on the earth, and that without obedience to that principle, no man can ever attain to the fullness of exaltation in the celestial glory. So, uh, I think we've got another one here, yeah, but I think that this you know, proves B.B. is wrong in, in the history. So anyway. Yeah, this one. is from an uh, apostle, George Teasdale. I believe in plural marriage as a part of the gospel just as much as I believe in baptism by immersion for the remission of sins. I bear my testimony that it is a necessity and that the Church of Christ in its fullness never existed without it. Where you have the eternity of marriage, you are bound to have plural marriage. Okay, so it's a necessity. If there was marriage, it's plural marriage. It's plural marriage, right, a valid marriage. And there's dozens more, by the way. There Uh, are many, many more passages from early Mormon history where where these prophets, um, these apostles, disciples of Mormonism, 
explained that polygamy was required. Yeah. And Doctrine and Covenants 132 itself says sure. yeah. it is. Um, polygamy groups today, of course, continue to teach the necessity of polygamy for salvation, which is a complete corruption of the simple gospel of grace through Jesus Christ as taught in the Bible. Polygamy is one of the essential works of Mormonism, of early Mormonism and polygamy yeah. groups today. It's important to remember the verse in Galatians, I think, explaining how anything but grace voids the efficacy of Jesus' death for our sins. And we bring this up at this point because if polygamy was an essential for salvation, what does it do with Jesus' death on the cross? We read this in Galatians 2.21. Yeah, and don't you think this all refers more to good news about the gospel? <laughs> Galatians 2.21, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the religious law, then Christ died for no purpose. If you could do anything, <laughs> anything, uh, in keeping the law of God or works or yeah. whatever, then Jesus died on the cross for nothing. Yeah, if you could do it yourself, why do, what do we need You're your for? own Savior. Yeah. You don't need Jesus. Right. And Galatians 5 tells us that too, that if that if you rely upon the works of the law, then uh, you've fallen from grace and Jesus is no benefit to you. <laughs> That's per, that, uh, you know, simple. they, they yeah. really need to look at those verses. And I hope our viewer will and discover that what his church has taught him about works and about polygamy has been glossed over and misrepresented and twisted to better fit in today's culture. The next comment that he made was about the Trinity again. He kept going back to yeah. the Trinity. You probably still believe that the Trinity is biblical, even though Jesus Christ said that he and the Father are two separate men in John 8, 17, 18. Or did Jesus Christ lie about that law requiring two men to fulfill, which would destroy the atonement, the Bible, and of course the Trinity? Because if he wasn't lying, it still destroys the Trinity. Either way, goodbye man-made Trinity. <laughs> Um, sometimes we just can't quite comprehend what he's trying to say. But first, let's take his quote. He quoted John eight seventeen, which he said teaches that Jesus. Jesus and the Father are two separate men. So let's quote those verses so that you can get yeah. see what he's referring to. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. He's saying Jesus said that they are two separate men. Yeah. But, but this isn't saying that. This is saying there are two separate witnesses. Yeah. That's what he's saying. The Bible teaches that the Father and the Son are two <coughs> d distinct beings, and both are equally God. And Jesus told us in John 4.24 that God is spirit, yeah. okay, not a man. And in more than one place, God himself declares he is not a man. And God's testimony of himself is certainly more trustworthy than anything that Mormonism can claim he is. From Numbers 23.19, God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Obviously, our viewer hasn't seen these, this and other verses like this. We hope that B.B. and others from Mormonism and polygamists will check out what the Bible teaches about grace and works and polygamy and also the Trinity, even their Book of Mormon, which they esteem higher than the Bible, teaches one God, they teach the Trinity, and they teach no polygamy.
Yeah. Or it teaches, no, right. all those. But anyway, we're finished answering the concerns of this viewer, but we need to add that one of the most difficult concepts to answer and to receive is that the greatest gift of all time is eternal life and that it is a free gift. Yeah. Eternal life in heaven, as described in the Bible, is a place that everyone should want to be. It's a place of peacefulness and beauty, no sin, no violence, no liars, no death. I remember the very first time that I read in the Bible that uh, salvation is by grace and not by works. I was unbelievably shocked. Yeah. I'd never heard of anything like that before. But the more I read the Bible and the more passages I discovered explaining that our works cannot and do not merit salvation, the more understandable and the more precious it became. We have a list of verses to share with all of our viewers and suggest you write them down and read them. Go to the Bible yourself and read them personally and, and, and let the passages of God's truth of salvation by grace alone invade yeah. into your hearts and minds. Don't close your mind to them. Read them and understand the, con the context of what you're reading. You'll discover that neither polygamy nor Mormonism's religious requirements and rituals have anything to do with your eternal life. So here are some of our supporting verses. Yeah, this is a big one. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. This wow. is the main one. It is very yeah. good. One, 2 Timothy 1, 9 says, God saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. Titus 3, 5. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. Okay, not because of works, but it's mercy, the character of God. Right, his righteousness. Exactly. Yeah. Romans three twenty. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So, and he's talking about religious law here. You have to think here. about that a little mm -hmm. bit, but that's a good one. Mm -hmm. Romans 3, 27, 28. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Apart from the works of the law. Yeah, yeah. yeah? right. Romans 4, 5 and 6. And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Remember Abraham? Yeah. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Another one from Romans 11, 5 and 6. So too at the present time there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. So you Simple. can't work. You can't mix works and grace. It's one or the other. Galatians two sixteen. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. Three times in that verse, <laughs> so it's not works, it's grace. Yeah. Galatians 2.21, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, 
And Christ died for no purpose. And of course, we read that earlier. Yeah. And again, it's it's so powerful true. no matter when you read it. Galatians 5, 1, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. And the freedom he's referring to is the slavery, the yoke of slavery of religious laws right, right. and rituals and works. Requirements. Second <clears throat> Corinthians 5, 20 through chapter 6, verse 2. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And we appeal to our viewers, now is the day of salvation. Yep. The end may be closer than you think. We never know. <laughs> but when you die, it's too late. Now, today, is the day of salvation. And here is a verse from the Old Testament declaring that our works of righteousness will not benefit us. Isaiah fifty-seven twelve. I will declare your righteousness and your deeds, but they will not profit you. <laughs> I mean, I think that we've had enough verses here that it's yeah, clear that clear. works is not God's way to heaven. It's grace through faith through our Savior, our only Savior, Jesus Christ. If salvation comes by work, Jesus died on the cross in vain. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, by Jesus alone. Jesus needs no help from yourself or from any religious group or religious person or polygamy to bring salvation to you. We have one more letter that we want to share. Yeah, this was nice. God bless you both. I left the Mormon Church in 2015. It was a lonely journey, but I found your podcast, Doris, and the rest is history. Listening to you and Earl was such a blessing, was and is such a blessing. My joy now is in Jesus. My dear mother, once a devout LDS, has chosen to change from Mormon Jesus to the Jesus of the Bible. This happened last year when she was 98 years of age. We are now together praying for the rest of our family still stuck in Mormonism. I love you both for all your precious hard work in helping bring lost souls to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's nice. It is. Yeah. And letters like this bring us to tears. Tears of joy when someone discovers the true Jesus of the Bible and rejects the Jesus of Mormonism. Yeah. She said that her journey out of Mormonism was lonely. And we've heard that statement from dozens of different people, both those who leave the LDS church and, and those who leave polygamy groups. For some, it can be a nightmare. For others, it's shunning beyond belief. And there are some who don't experience very much upheaval in their lives at all. So I just thought maybe we would take a minute at the end of this particular program. Was your journey out of, out of Mormonism lonely like hers or shunning? Or do you have anything you want to share about that? Well, it is tough. Uh, it was hard sharing it with my active sons and daughters. Um, I mean, to, to share that kind of info and to friends. I lost friends over the journey and mm -hmm. so on, but I, I ended up focusing on my relationships in Christianity. Yeah. I learned all of a sudden that they care about their children, mm -hmm. that they have teenage programs, you know, mm -hmm. for teenagers, much like our, the Mormon church did, LDS church, and I just never thought of that. I just figured they were out doing their own thing. But 
The big thing, as I've said before here, is that I focus so much on the negative part of what I learned about the church and the history and the, con the conflicts of, uh, of everything. I hadn't really understood grace and yeah. who Jesus was. And so that was just so joyful. That, that, that made the journey so joyful. Yeah. And then as I went to Christian churches and visited and talked to pastors and others, I, I began learning and hearing this good news and that filled the void for me mm -hmm. I mean, and made yeah. new relationships, new friends. So, um, yeah, there's some emptiness. Um, some loss. Music's gone. Yeah. Some of the practices that we did, you know, uh, are different. Uh, taking of the sacrament every Sunday was something I enjoyed. I do that now once a month mm -hmm. or so. But and, for a different purpose. Totally yeah, different and my focus. whole thought process is different right. now. <laughs> it's totally different. And so I enjoy that, even though it's not as often, but I enjoy that. So there's things that you give up, but are also the focus of, of being on Jesus and trusting in Him and what He did for us. And the joy it, and the deep peace is so much greater. Is. So yeah, much greater. So, in Mormonism, LDS Church, the gospel, you're always working. Uh -huh. And it's always, am I doing enough? Am I, yeah. And I don't, I rest in I'm Jesus measuring now. Him. Right, right. I don't, I don't worry about that. I rest in Jesus. You came directly out of Mormonism yeah. to Christianity. It just like, sounds like she did too. Yeah. And and that can be quite a leap. Uh, when I left, it, when I discovered the truth, it was 25 years after I left. Uh, so I didn't have that huge difference like yeah. you did. Uh, but I do remember that I was so excited to find finally find the truth. To finally know what the truth is and how beautiful the biblical gospel is mm -hmm. and who Jesus really was. Is. Well, I remember from your testimony how, how you felt about God. You thought he hated you. Oh, yeah. He was nothing but wrath. He was he just uh, had a whip in a chair. He's ready to get us, you know, really true. And you found out he actually loved you. That he actually loved me. revelation. <laughs> yeah. I didn't yeah. know what the love of a father was, so I couldn't relate to him as a loving father at all. Oh, dear. Well, we want to thank you for watching, and we hope BB has been watching this. And thanks, Earl, for sharing no, and, and participating in this. You know, uh, we often hear people say, I'm a good person, so I'll go to heaven. Even people who don't know God or pray to Him or trust Him will say that. But we don't get to heaven based on our goodness or on uh, somebody else's badness. I'm better than that person, you know. In Luke 5.32, Jesus said, He did not come to call the righteous to repentance, but He came to call sinners. Obviously, Jesus and salvation is only for those who will admit that they've sinned against God and for doing and asking forgiveness and then doing his will. Heaven is filled with forgiven sinners. It is not filled with those whose good works earned them a place there. And Jesus wants to save you, but you must do it his way. And that is by grace, through faith, not by works, and not by polygamy. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.